Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Eleanor Moshe. Eleanor Moshe is an ambitious and driven leader and dedicated mentor in the construction industry. Her passion to guide, inspire, and direct future leaders and industry professionals to construct their career led to her founding the successful platform, The Construction Coach. Eleanor has been featured in the Australian National Construction Review, Property Council of Australia's Top 500 Women in Property Program 2019, Top 100 Women in Construction, and is frequently a speaker, guest lecturer, and panelist. Eleanor is also the host of the successful podcast, Constructing You. Due for release in August 2020, Eleanor's book, Constructing Your Career, is one of its kind for people who want inspirational, practical action and unconventional career intelligence to construct their career. She holds a Master of Construction Management and a Bachelor of Environments from the University of Melbourne. Now for the technical side. Eleanor has been working on project delivery and commercial construction for over seven years and has delivered over $130 million of work, including new build and fit out for public and private clients. In 2016, Eleanor was awarded the Annual Excellence in Project Delivery Award during her tenure at ADCO Constructions. She is currently working as a contract administrator. Welcome to the podcast, Eleanor. Thank you very much, Kimberly. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and um, I was commenting before we got on that you're in an industry that's uh, very different uh, for, for women. You see so many men in that industry. But it sounds like you're just um, really going to the top of your industry and showing the guys up. So <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, but let's start out just so people know who you are, where you come from. Um, let's tell, tell a little bit about your story. Absolutely. I was born in Israel and I moved to Australia with my parents when I was eight months old. And for the better part of three decades, I was an extremely shy person with no confidence and no backbone. And I have to tell people this because they look at me today and they see the highlight reel, they see the achievements, but they don't see the years of not being more of who I am. They don't see the years of giving someone else my power and letting other people have agency over me. And that was a costly mistake that took a lot of time and a lot of friction and a lot of internal work, which I know we will get to later in order to resolve. But when you start taking full ownership of who you are, and that's the journey that I have been on, have I only then been able to achieve what I have? And I am someone who is addicted to achievement. Ambition is my first language and the first thing that people say when they meet me is you're confident and yes I am but it hasn't been without the road of without being on the road of dulling down my power and letting go of who I am as I said before and letting other people have too much agency over my life when I know that innately I don't care what other people think and there's been many roadblocks in terms of people and challenges of course in the industry that I am in it is very different and what I do in it is very, very different. The construction coach is Australia's first construction career mentoring business and 
when you set out into a space that hasn't been inhabited before, a micro niche, it's also full of challenges, but that doesn't mean that without the challenges, there's also massive success. So the journey as a whole, it's been a growth evolution of myself. And only because I started that have the last two years really exponentially just allowed me to experience so much in terms of building a community and being a thought leader in the construction industry. So what um, motivated you to actually get into that industry? I was a creative at, during high school and had a natural drawing ability. I don't have any now, but I, w I am a creative, but not in that typical sense. So of course, you know, I think the academic system and the tertiary system is only able to give you a very limited worldview of what is possible in your entire career. No one's telling you that you can become a multimillionaire YouTuber, which you can. Anything is, anything is possible. I mean, Joe Rogan sold his podcast for 100 million dollars. There are no limits. Look at what Elon Musk is doing. Look, anything is possible, right? So the high school systems and tertiary systems only show you a really limited worldview and bandwidth of what is possible. So, you know, they, during high school, they match my skills. Hey, you're creative, but you also need to make a living. What about architecture? So I did start off with architecture and despite what, you know, career counsellors and you go to the open days at university, they tell you, well, don't become an architect because you never actually own anything, but I love a challenge and I love doing things where other people say it's not possible. So I did complete my architecture degree and I really, I didn't love the design process. I didn't take joy in trying to figure out the design. Like I like solving problems and applying critical thinking, but not in that design sense. And all the peers in my cohort that were doing well had these crazy designs that had no logic associated to them. You know, floor plates weren't lining up and so on. But I did realize in my architecture degree that I am fascinated by the built environment and how we as humans interact with our built environment. So I took back then a massive leap, a massive leap of faith into the unknown. And, you know, you look at the course, uh, the core structure for master's degree. And I'm like, well, architecture, I don't want to do that. Urban planning, I don't want to do that. Property, I didn't know what it was back then. Mm -hmm. And construction management was an option. So you look it up and it says, you know, it's about structures, it's about management, it's about the industry as a whole. So I enrolled in my master of construction management at Melbourne University. And immediately within the first year, it just opened my mind. It opened my worldview it sparked my curiosity as to this is how buildings actually get built it's not just the architect who draws a pretty picture and and hope for the best that it works it's about the processes the policies it's about the legalities it's about the ethics it's about management of many many different stakeholders and i immediately fell in love with the industry and the realm of opportunity that it could offer. So I completed my master's degree. It took me four years because I also started working in industry. And as soon as I finished my master's degree, I'm still going on. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. I'm continuing the journey. Yeah. Yes. 
Please. I finished my master's degree. I'm, I'm someone who I need more. I need more in life. I am a maximalist and society will tell you, don't reach too high because that's selfish or that's arrogant. And society will tell you just play safe and play small because that's comfortable. But I need more. I'm not a minimalist. I'm not trying to reduce things in my life. I need more. So as soon as I graduated, I started tutoring because I realized there is a gap in the market for understanding how construction actually works. So for two years, every weekend I hustled, I tutored and the conversations with me very quickly turned into mentoring conversations. And that's what led me to found the construction coach, which might be your next question. Mm-hmm. Yes. So actually when you were, um, when you were working and doing all the work, the $130 million worth of work, uh, what kind of projects were you doing? I worked on mostly commercial work for government and private clients. So my first project was for Victoria Police. They relocated their mounted branch and dog squad into a new facility. So it was a very diverse project, building a whole serene at kennels and an administrative building. But I absolutely loved it because it was the home of the police force and you know it was a very important civic duty so i realized from that first project how important it was for me to work on projects that are unique but also have a sense of purpose and a sense of place for the community my second third projects were at melbourne airport and i absolutely loved my work at the airport because it has to be one of the most complicated and high risk environments we're building we were building right next to where planes were taking off and and departing it was just an incredible experience and you know the amount of bureaucracy that goes on at an airport you needed a permit for absolutely everything and anything that you needed to do but you know it was about stakeholder management and managing risk in very complex environments but I absolutely love that now I fly out of the terminal that we worked on and, and I'm always telling my friends, we did this and I worked on this and I still know the details as to this 1.2 high meter wall and, you know, have this amazing ability to interact with the built environment in a different way. And it is lost on friends who don't work in the industry. They, they don't appreciate it like I do. And then after that, I worked on a project again for Melbourne University. So Melbourne University has been a a dominant trend in my career, both academic and from a building perspective. So I worked on a laboratory and office space for Melbourne University. And it was a building that was built between five other operational academic and scientific research buildings, which presents its challenges to say the least. But On paper, that was the worst project that I've worked on. Nothing worked out right. It had disasters after disasters, but the best thing about that project was the team. It was like going to work with your friends and everyone pulled together any time the project needed anything. It was the worst of projects, but it was the best of projects that I've ever been been on and delivered because of the people that you get to work with. And that's why the construction industry, it's such a people industry. And now working on a 250 million manufacturing facility for 
uh, for fra for blood fractionation. Mm -hmm. Wow, and and you just glow when you're talking about that. So you can just tell how much you love and enjoy what what you do. And it's important. It's very important. Yeah. So I bet with that, there are so many regulations and like you said, permits and things like that. So were there times when you just kind of got down like, oh, when, you know, how are we going to get this permit or whatever? How do you overcome those obstacles when those things come up? I mean, that happens on both project delivery and that happens when you're starting a business and that happens when you're trying to launch a book, when you're anything that you venture on, that you venture in that is new you always overcome those challenges but you always meet those challenges but that's when you have to employ your thinking well you can either employ a defeatist attitude of thinking well this is a setback and i don't know what to do or you employ the thinking and the resources that are available to you and say well how can we still make this work the end goal hasn't actually changed that's not moving i still need to achieve that what do i need to do right now what can I, you know, on project deliver, it's always, well, what can I do for you to make your job easier so that you can help me? Mm. It's always a first adding value to someone else and making it as easy as possible for them to do whatever it is that they need. So, you know, for example, when we're submitting anything to councils and authorities, you give them everything, you give them everything at once. You have to be very clear on what it is that they want because other people will just submit, say, a form and then you know councils scratching their head they're going to put you at the bottom of the pile but this is one of the benefits of working in construction it's the type of person that you become because challenges are there every single day every single day there is a problem with the build there is a subcontractor that has an issue the client has a new requirement you're constantly responding to everyone else's issues in the most positive way. But what that does is it makes you very good at critical problem solving and understanding multiple factors at play. And then where people become really good at life is when they employ the skills and attributes that you learn in construction to their life about project management, about stakeholder management. You can become an exceptional person and it sounds like you almost have to be an exceptional person to do that job. And um, I think so. <laughs> to do it well. Anyone can do it. Not everyone can do it well. There is a difference, as you know. Yes. And it sounds like you've done it very, very well. And then now Thank you're you. taking this and you've been mentoring people and now you're doing coaching. Talk about the coaching. So I'll pick up where I left off. As soon as I finished university, I was tutoring and the conversations with me turned into mentoring ones. And what I realized was both with my experience and that of my clients, there are commonalities in the experience when you're standing at the outset of the industry looking in. I also felt lost. I felt overwhelmed. I felt confused. How are you going to make career decisions and give yourself a sense of direction when you do not have perfect information? And the construction industry is one where you can't just Google it. It's not not like any other industries. And I was Googling it when I was starting it. And there's so, you know, there's not a lot of information. So what is the first thing that you do when you are a critical thinker? You ask better questions. So it was in February last year, I asked the universe a better question. How can I reach more people to answer their pain points 
regarding the construction industry. And then in April last year, and the universe downloaded the construction coach into me. So, of course, the universe always gives you ideas. The difference is if people decide to listen and actually do something with them or not. There is no shortage of ideas. There is only a shortage of resourcefulness. So it was 11 o'clock at night. I was up till 5 a.m. the next morning, registering an ABN, figuring out how to build a website. And I filled a notebook with ideas, which I still refer to because I'm like, thank you, Pastel. Oh, you were really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. A month later, I had it ready to go. And I was like, I was a little bit fearful. Like, what will people think? What about if no one likes this? And like, well, that's, it's not about them. It's about the broader need of the industry. This isn't about the one individual who may not like it. That will not phase me. So I launched it and it started off as just a blog. Cause you know, we think small, we are conditioned. And the blog was really well well received. And then that turned into events, which were selling out and via Instagram. And then that turned into larger events, which were also selling out. It turned into masterminds and private events and private mentoring services. And then a book and a podcast. And it was really about, and it grew so fast because there is nothing like this in the industry and it is what the industry really needed because you don't know how to build a career in construction because of all the multiple factors, all the multiple variables. But then when you team conventional career intelligence, it doesn't actually allow you to achieve so much more than you can in the construction industry because of the wealth of opportunity that it affords. So it's been such an amazing journey for me personally and especially for my community. I mean, you know, the messages that you get, the feedback, the results that you achieve for your clients, as you know, it is just extremely rewarding and, you know, it only shows the individual what is possible because the more you do, others see you doing more of that, it works to inspire them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Inspire ourselves and others. Exactly. So, yeah. So when you're starting a project, is there, do you sit down and make a plan, but not only a plan, is there a vision? Like, do you see the project finished? How do you do that? Great question. And I like your play on words. I might have to steal that from you. So you know, both in a construction sense, before we even do anything, we know what the finished building is going to look like. We know what the spaces are. We know the finishes. We know the structure. We know it all. Whereas in reality and in people's careers, people don't know what they want. People do not have vision. And do you blame them? No, because society only shows you one problem. Like you go to school, you then get a job, then you stay in that job and then you might move to climb the corporate career ladder and that's it. Society doesn't show you anything else. So it is up to you to break the bond and to heighten your own level of consciousness. So, and this is what I realized because the same as, you know, for me, once upon a time, I had a mentor that asked me, what do you want? I just drew blanks. I couldn't answer the question and it plagued me and it plagued me. And then every time that, you know, someone would ask me to make a decision, I would go into this state of anxiety and 
free fall because I was so nervous. I didn't know how to make a decision because I didn't know what I wanted. So through the process, you know, every time I was faced with a hard decision, obviously back then, I would go to journal. And it was through the journaling practice that started giving me a lot of clarity because you have to ask yourself really tough questions. And through your answers, when you're writing and you're not necessarily paying attention to what you're writing to and you stop and you realize what you just said to yourself, that's how I started discovering, okay, well, this is what I want. This is what I know that I truly want. This is what my intuition, this is what my instinct is telling me. So I listen to it because it's very common when people say, I want something, ah, oh, but it's not for me. Or no, I shouldn't aim for that. Mm-hmm. So have that conversation with myself I held that vision and fast forward a little bit you know I I do believe 100% when you hold the vision and you truly believe in it the universe aligns the right people and opportunities that you need to get there so fast forward a little bit you know I did discover this was a vision for myself I didn't know the vehicle I had no idea how to get there none it was just belief that this is what would happen And I went to an event, it was a LinkedIn event, and on the panel was my now mentor, Ron Malhotra, and I was immediately drawn to his presence and his everything, everything he said. Like, I remember it like it was yesterday, and he still finds it fascinating how I remember what he said on the 30th of June, 2019. I have an amazing memory for better or worse. And, you know, the offer to get on a call with him, and I got on the call with him, and he had a thought leadership program and I immediately said, yes, I made a massive decision then to stretch myself and to go into the unknown. And that's the journey that I have been on and it has been the most expansive one, but this wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have aligned if I didn't have a personal vision for myself as in the first place, because that is my North star. That is what makes me, that is what, that's my pull motivation. That's what ignites the fire. And when that fire is just lit inside of you, you are forever inspired. You're not looking to memes. You don't need external push factors anymore. You are just pulled towards the future that is your own. So vision is one of the most valuable things that you can ever hold. Yeah, yeah. And and I believe that. So when I started this podcast, I just wanted to inspire people. And then as I got going and I met so many amazing people, I'm like, I want to inspire more people. And then I said, I want to go global. And, you know, here we are, you're in Australia, I'm here. And there's other people (laughs) I've interviewed that are from all over the world because I wanted people to see one, that people are the same, but also that just being from a little different place, sometimes gives you a little different perspective but it's just still the vision of going forward and expanding, going forward and expanding. And I think no matter what you do, you want to be expanding and becoming the best you. Of course. Like we are extensions of the universe. We have infinite potential and we are blessed to have a human experience. Like I, I'm so grateful that I could have this conversation with you. Like you are on the other side of the world. This means a lot to me. And this is, you know, the opportunity to impact people. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talked about asking the difficult questions. So let's say someone's sitting there 
and they were they're feeling nervous like you were because they thought they knew what they wanted but they're realizing they really don't know what they want so what kind of questions would you advise them to ask themselves you can keep it simple you can make it really complicated you can ask yourself something as what would i want my perfect day to look like and just go 10 by 10 minute blocks where do you wake up who do you wake up with how do you feel when you wake up do you wake up to the sound of an alarm clock that you have to jump out of bed and get in your car to go to a job that you don't want probably not no one designs that life for themselves so this was one of the first questions that I asked myself because I realized in that day I had to build a very different different vehicle in order to allow me to have that day. So that started instigating the thing that realized, well, you know, I don't want to climb the corporate ladder. It doesn't mean anything to me. And I thought that's what I wanted, but then that came crashing down and you're left with a blank canvas, which is an opportunity, but also anxiety ridden at first. So, Yes, I did ask myself, what would I want a perfect day to look like? That's a relatively easy question. You can ask yourself more difficult questions. What do I want people to remember me by? Paint picture. Do I want to be forgotten? Do I want no one to remember my name once I'm gone? And then that was a deeper question because then you realise, well, you know, I want to be this global inspiration I want to be you know on this global stage showing people what is possible and to work on the greatest project that they ever will get a chance to which is of course themselves so I didn't figure that out this came two years later but you have to first ask yourself those questions it's also about really understanding what are your core values mm -hmm. I ask people what are your top three values people can't list them off they're like oh, you know Safety, security, like really is it? Because what do those terms actually mean? So understanding your values. And for me, that came via starting a gratitude practice. So when, you are, you know, when you're constantly writing about what you're grateful for, you see commonalities in, in the answer. You know, other people might have more gratitude for their peak physical fitness and others is about the money or their family but you can start seeing from what you're telling yourself what is important to you. Mm -hmm. Lastly, it's just about understanding that if you have a strong desire towards something, and we all do, mm -hmm. there's a reason for that. So I would write out a wish list. I would write out, these are the things that I wanted, materialistic, materialistic, you know, external to us and also internally. And then that also started showing me, well, this is what, what is important. Leadership is very important to me. It is the state which I naturally inhabit, but people aren't comfortable with that. So I realized, well, that's an important part of what I do. So that started shaping this vision as a whole. Exactly. And what does um, vision and passion and purpose have to do with each other? Are they all the same? Are they different? I think they're all, I think they're all intertwined. Like my vision is my passion. This is what I want to be doing. Like the vision is the vehicle in which your passion comes out. You know, vision can be, I want to be a global leading author, for example. 
that's part of your vision but your passion could be empowering people or shifting their worldviews. So one is the vehicle for another. You can't, you know, can you have vision without passion and purpose? No, because the vision is the rocket. The passion and the purpose is the fuel. It's not going to go far without the fuel. You have to bring the fuel. And I always tell people, you can come on the journey with me, but either you're bringing the fuel or get off the rocket ship because I'm going fast. And passion and purpose well it's they're so the words that are so easily thrown around but it's it's is it difficult to figure out not necessarily what lights you up when you're talking i i'm buzzed right now i haven't given you a chance to, to speak but i love talking about this mm-hmm. so i could talk about this all day passion and purpose is there anything you would do for free absolutely whether i get paid or not this is what i love doing you have to really realize with your passion and purpose where is your energy directing you towards what is you know are you putting yourself in situations which you are constantly depleted of energy well that's not in alignment with your natural grain so understanding your energetic state and your flow and you know what do you do when no one asks you to there's all sorts of things which you can uncover and then whether the vision comes first or the passion and purpose what comes first it's a chicken or the egg situation for me it doesn't really matter. I know there's different opinions about that, but as they come. So yeah, they are so intertwined. And what does that have to do with success? What is success? Success is, you should start a podcast mm-hmm. on its own. I, I love the concept of success. I mean, success is a, is a man-made notion and Obviously, when you have your vision and your passion and purpose, people will tell you, well, you can't commercialize that or you can't have a successful career or life if you follow your passion and purpose. I mean, the people that are saying that are the people who haven't actually managed to do it. So you really have to be careful who you listen to when it comes to the conversation of success because innately, we do want to be successful. But people's relationships with success is broken. So what I frequently tell people is imagine if success was an individual stand right in front of you and you're having a conversation with them. How are you talking to them? I think not enough. I don't think you're good enough. You don't do enough for me. I can never have enough of you. You just, you're always with someone else. (laughs) Would success as a person want to hang around you? No. So People need to fix their relationship with success. I talk to success like they are everything. I respect you. I know you work hard. Together, we can do great things together. I have to work for you. I have to come for you. I appreciate you being in my life. Because as you know, you know, laws of attraction, basic rules of abundance, you can only attract more of what you already have. So first you have to act successful and to want success to actually come into your life Mm -hmm. and you start doing that and becoming more comfortable with that when you see your vision and you see your passion and purpose and you know that that is for you because the mere fact that you can see your own vision it means it's for you Mm -hmm. I can't see myself being a world famous basketballer it's never going to happen what I can see is particular to me what you can see is particular to you so the mere fact that you're having that metaphysical thought 
is one step closer to it being a part of your physical reality. And this is where the disjunct happens because people aren't comfortable with success. It's not a natural state. People definitely aren't comfortable with failure. I go sometimes three steps forward, 10 steps back because you just, you learn as you go. And that definitely, you know, when I wasn't working with a mentor, that's what it definitely was like. But of course, when you work with a mentor, they show you the path of least resistance and, you know, they are a guide onto themselves, but I won't go into that. But success is always within you. And when you start accepting that and when you start seeing that for yourself, well, you're not chasing it anymore. It's your constant state. And that's how more and more of it comes to you. And then the second issue is, well, when you start being successful externally and you show up with results, the haters love that, the keyboard warriors, they come out. They don't want to see you succeed. And that's fine because all what they're doing is, is they're making themselves less and less of an energetic match towards their own dreams when they keep on hating on that in someone else. And that's what also deters people as well. When a random from the other side of the world doesn't support their success, who cares? They don't mean anything to you. They're not your target market. They're not part of your community. They're not a raving fan. And that's when people also start to rescind their level of success and they go back to their box and they go back to being comfortable. So there is a lot of head trash. All that internal rubbish, that head trash, is one of the key blockers between people and success. But own it. I am so comfortable with success and I will speak about it because people need to realize that success is not a dirty word. Success is a wonderful thing. Ambition is not a dirty word. Wanting more is not a dirty word. So society has also given people a lot of negative connotations around success and wealth and money and ambition in which people have just gone into complete comfort zones and a happy accepting average standards and mediocrity. And where has that gotten us really? Yes. Yes. And that reminds me of that, um, it's, it's a little story people tell, but it's true. You know, crabs in a bucket. One starts to crawl out and all the other ones kind of drag them down. So, you know, the, the haters don't want that you're going up because then you're not part of the group. So they want to pull you down. But I've also heard that if you don't have haters, you're not doing anything yet. As soon as exactly. you start actually doing something powerful, you're going to have people who are going to be against you and you just got to keep going. Exactly. And they don't matter. They actually don't matter. You don't owe them anything. Exactly. So I was wondering when people come to your events or when they're mentored by you, what do they come for? Is it specifically people in your industry or do they come from all industries? My first level offering is for people within the construction industry. So it's the constructing your career program and it is for people at that zero to five year mark. But then I have level two type of mentoring, which is from that management to leadership position. And then level three is the authority building. It is the thought leadership. And of course that transgresses any industry as well as level two, because you know, there are commonalities in different industries mm -hmm. and, once you understand the mechanics of the construction industry, you will 
you know, how do we keep on constructing our career? How do we keep on adding levels to that? So you're always keeping them going. You're always maximizing your recognition, your progression and your remuneration. Mm -hmm. Wow. So talk about leadership. You said leadership is very important to you and in your vision. What makes a good leader? A leader first and foremost has to have vision and there are all too many people in the workplace who consider themselves a leader, but they don't have vision. They cannot see a better future for the people around them. They do not actually have the ability to bring people along with them to wherever they want to go. So leaders are visionaries. You can't see a future. I'm not good. You won't have followers and leaders need followers. Are you a leader if you don't have any followers? And I'm not saying followers in, you know, someone who blindly goes where you are. It's someone who has chosen to make a conscious decision to believe in your vision and to believe that where we're going is better than where we are today. And leaders are selfless in a way. We realize that after a while, this isn't about us anymore. This is about the community. And it is about always adding more value to our communities than anyone else. And that's especially what thought leaders do. We add, we add value. We are constantly in a value adding state because we're always thinking of what's our, what are our clients going through right now? What is, what is our market, our community need from us? So this isn't about the individual anymore. It's about the community, but all too many people as well. They try and teach leadership but they don't actually lead themselves in the first place. You cannot lead other people if you haven't actually led yourself. If you are someone who is stuck in indecision, if you are someone who cannot take immediate and massive action to achieve anything, you don't have the right to lead other people. You have to earn the right to lead other people. You do that first by leading yourself. You do that first by putting yourself out there and when you put yourself out there, you always risk being uh, mocked and ridiculed and criticized. You take all that, you have earned the right to be a leader. So leadership is not automatic. Not everyone needs to be one. Not everyone definitely should be one, but it first starts with developing the leadership of yourself. I love the way you said that. And I've heard that before and it's, wonderful that we have to be able to lead ourselves so and and I like also the um you know giving back leaders are always giving back not only to the people who follow them but also to the people around them and that is just beautiful so now you have a book coming out will you talk about the book of course yeah definitely I've got got the first okay (laughs) first hard copy here uh-huh. it's called constructing your career and i show readers how to build an exceptional career in construction by working on the 12 foundational stages of their greatest project that they ever will so yeah this is the first hard copy and for a long time i was you know you only see the book as as a pdf or or a word document and it doesn't feel like a book like it's quite conceptual like we know what a book looks feels like but it's very different when when it's your own and and it's got that book smell and it feels like a book so yeah yeah, it's a 
absolutely remarkable achievement, but there is no other book out there like this in the construction industry. You, there are books about, you know, construction management and concrete 101 and, and all of that, but there are no books out there in construction which not only provide a holistic picture of building career success, this isn't about just a book on purpose. Like that's only one part of it. This is the whole journey. And I've got a framework which shows how interrelated every single part of the construction journey is because what I've done, I've said, well, this is how you build a building and this is how you build your career. Can you have, you know, can you take out an element and hope that it works? No, you, do, you can't take out the foundations from a building and hope that it will stand up. It doesn't work with a career as well. So I've really related one and the other, which is a really relevant to the industry, but is also how career works. And this is what I've done because people have always looked to me and say, well, you've had a successful career. What have you done? So I won't get the chance to ever mentor every single person. So I had to write the book because conventional career intelligence ensures that people are leaving opportunity on the table. And this is for a few reasons. I mean, first, career career advice in the construction industry is not contextual so there are aspects of the industry which do influence your career and you need to be aware of them second as i said before it doesn't provide the holistic approach so you know can you have a career if you never invest in mentoring can you have an, an exceptional career without mentoring for example so i've pieced all those elements together but most importantly the book covers the internal work that is first required to achieving career success. I talk about vision. I talk about dreaming big. I talk about what's possible. I talk about, it has nothing to do with your job title. My vision doesn't have titles in it. It's not about the job title because when you dream in senses of job titles, you're already limiting yourself. You're already putting a ceiling on where you want to go. So the internal work is really important. And that's what I've captured in the book so it's available in three weeks time and i am finally ready for it to to see the world that is really exciting congratulations on that it's a huge thank accomplishment. you it's a huge accomplishment so um if people wanted to do uh, mentoring or do some work with you where would they find you they can definitely connect with me on instagram at eleanor Moshe underscore and also on LinkedIn, Eleanor Moshe, that question. And you can also visit my website, eleanormoshe.com, and you can get in touch with me and my team. Now you've talked a lot about mentoring over this conversation. What's the importance of mentoring? Why would someone find a mentor? That's an excellent question. I believe in the power of mentoring, like I do the air I breathe. and it is only because I've had one of the most beautiful, expansive mentoring experiences. It is so hard to put Ron into words. He is someone who is larger than life and working with him has really allowed me to see holistically what the power of mentoring is because mentors, first and foremost, they hold up a mirror for you to see your own potential because we are the people who are least capable of assessing that you know my friends will always tell me you can do anything and go for you know go for this and go for that but then when it comes to themselves they're holding themselves back mm -hmm. so 
we do need someone to hold up the mirror and say, hey, look, this is who you are. This is what you can do. And what Ron does, he has the ability to see the entirety of your future self, extract that from you, your own vision, not his, and hand that back to you with a pathway as to how you can achieve it. So being able to give someone that is one of the most remarkable experiences within itself. But, you know, there is an abundance of money. There is no shortage of money in the world. What we do have is a shortage of time. And time for me is the most important thing. I value my time. You know, I'm extremely selfish with it. And that drives people, you know, oh, you should always be available. No, you shouldn't. I'm building empire here. I do not have time to sit for four hours and have coffee with you. So you, you have to be unavailable for a certain period of time when you are living your life inside of your vision. And what mentoring does is it says, well, this is how you're going to achieve it. What I've done in a year would have taken me at least 10 to achieve. I don't even know if I would have written a book if it wasn't for, you know, Ron showing me, well, this is, you know, this is possible because it seems like this, you know, mountain of work and everything. And it is, but it is also achievable. So mentoring accelerates your development. Mentoring accelerates your rate of success because the most important part with mentoring is will you swap places with them? Do I want the results and outcomes that the mentor has achieved in their life? If yes, I will take on their advice. I will look into their mentoring. If no, then I don't really have an interest in what someone has to say. And that's where people do go wrong with mentoring. They take advice from everyone, but how does that advice work for that person? Because if they're in a job that they don't love and they never see their family and they're unhealthy, why would you take their advice? I, I wouldn't. So I would do. So of course I have a mentoring discourse in my book. It wouldn't be a book on careers if mentoring wasn't discussed, but it's the opportunity to get to where you want to be faster. And people are fearful when it comes to mentoring because the outcomes of mentoring, you know, it's easy to assess what you can lose. You know, if I spend 20 K on this mentor and nothing works, well, I've lost 20 K. You can quantify that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we stuck on what they cannot quantify is what you're going to gain how do you quantify being more of who you are as a person how do you quantify igniting a fire within you how do you quantify knowing yourself on the macro and the micro how do you quantify being a leader you, you cannot quantify these things you can't put a value it's not an immediate roi so with mentoring there are a lot of emotional intangible outcomes which need to be considered but where people don't take the leap is because they're fearful of the $1,000, 2,000, 20K, whatever that they will lose. But it is the most important thing that you can ever make the investment on, which is in yourself. And if that is in the form of mentoring, well, you're going to get to where you want to be quicker. And who doesn't want to be living out their 10 year vision in five? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, time is very limited. Very. So um, let me ask you a personal question. What for you gives you the most joy and happiness in your life? That's a good question. I mean, because I'm someone who has many different moving parts, lots of things, you know, I love 
delivering my podcast and getting the feedback. I love the conversations that I have, that I get to have, but my vision, my ever growing vision constantly brings me joy because I can close my eyes and I can see it as if it's happening. And that just gives me energy. That just, you know, every time I, I do something, I know it's one block that I keep on building towards it and it's going to compound. So knowing that everything that I do in the present is getting me to where I need to be in the future, that is constantly igniting my passion and my purpose. And you know, I love that I get to fill my days with what I love doing. I love communicating. I love speaking. I love mentoring. I, I get to do this. It's a privilege to have a life that you develop by strategic design, the life and lifestyle that you that you want it's you know and it just keeps on getting better and you know it all like I said it all compounds and you just keep on coming across more and more moments of abundance and realizing this life can be and it is so incredible it is so filled with opportunity and you just have to take the first step and reach out for it that is really, really important. So, you know, I get joy from the smallest of things, such as holding a book and releasing a new podcast episode, right through to signing up a new client and already knowing what my next book is going to be and just thinking of all the growth and expansion that is going to happen in, in the next 12 months. That is beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on the podcast today and for all your wisdom and, and just the things you shared and uh, the distinctions you made on some things that were very different. I really appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you for the conversation. And I do truly hope that someone is inspired and ignited to take action. That's most important. It, it's in the doing. It certainly is. So one last question before we finish. What is your best advice for people to have the most incredible, amazing life. Dream it, think it, and then do it. All right. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you, so you Kimberly. Much. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon.